Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. You hit the spot. The place where the conversation is pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Put your thinking caps on, because the conversation starts now. <clears throat> got into this little spat, and she got mad. And, and I mean, she walked away, but she's like, Mom, I've, I've never done that before. Well, that's I a said, perfect well, lead into where we're going here on the edge, Brains. We're going to talk about relationships, how people treat one another. We're going to talk to Stephanie Castro in Arizona. Now, Brains, this is going to be a very interesting conversation because we want to know. There's a woman that is a survivor of domestic violence. She ends up falling in love and marrying a man that is incarcerated. Who does that? Why do they do that? How do they find the love? How do they find the synchronicity? How do they find trust? What goes in a conjugal visit? <laughs> We're going to ask her all that and then some. It's because there's, there's a lot. And again, I want people to listen to this interview from an educational standpoint, not a judgment. It's not your life. It's not your business. If you don't want to be with somebody that has, you know, has a past, then you're going to end up by yourself because everybody got a past. Everybody got a story. But I'm going to go into it a little deep with, with Stephanie, and she said that she's going to be as open as she can. Uh, we're going to respect her privacy and her husband's privacy uh, as much as we can. But again, we want to know. So let's welcome her to the edge. How you doing, Steph? Castro? I'm fantastic. Oh, look at that. Doing good. I can see blue is your color. Why is blue your color? Blue just makes me happy. It just, happy. It just gives me feelings of water and waves and the ocean. And, you know, I miss, I miss living by the ocean. And I know you in that old hot, dry ass Arizona. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Yeah. In the middle yeah. of the desert. I mean, it couldn't even be someplace cool and beautiful like the mountains, you know. You know the and, and the desert. thing is, it could be like, um, it's, it's hot there, but it's a it's a dry heat. That's what they tell me. They say, oh, it, that's a dry heat. You know, you go there and you go through the misters at the, at the Starbucks. It's so hot. <laughs> it is. And it, and it, you know, really difference just with dry heat is that, you know that that feeling when you are baking something and you open the oven and you realize you just got a little too close and that heat hits you right in the face and you feel it in your lungs? That's what it's like dead summer here, you know, with 115, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 degrees. Ouch. No. Oh, and yeah. Wait, and don't be a woman of a particular age and have a menopausal hot flash. <laughs> <laughs> you mean to come out the ground on somebody and went asshole crazy oh. on them. I get you. Did it five years ago, went through it. Wow. All Woo. right. So now let me ask you a question. Because uh, I'm going to ask you, you know, different questions at different times. But let's start with the body art. Tell me about the body art. Um, so my very first tattoo was a cat's face because my brother was going off to Desert Storm. And so he and I, you know, we were just super close and uh, we wanted to do something that it was like, okay, you're leaving me, you're leaving. And so we decided to get tattoos together, obviously not the same ones, but um, that weekend was the Thunderboat races down in Mission Bay okay. and he got a little too sunburned. So the guy wouldn't tattoo him, but I got mine. And so that's kind of where they started. And uh, did it become addicting? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I only had a few. And then during a particular relationship, which I'm sure we'll discuss is uh, the reason for some other ones. So, yeah. So they basically tell a story. They, they really do. They really, really do. And it's a story that you will forever live with. Very much. Okay. All right. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, after seeing people, this, this is me personally, Brains. Okay. So I have nothing to do with you. Uh, <laughs> but after the Holocaust and after the way that, uh, you know, Black people were 
tattooed and branded as cattle. I wasn't feeling it. But as I get yeah. older, I said, you know what? I might do something. I might liberate myself and maybe get a, a, a small one. But if it's like you say, if there's a feel good to it, if there's some endorphins that fire, I'll be like, you know. There is. They also have them all over the body. They're expensive too, aren't they? Uh, probably now more today since everything is so much more expensive that it probably is it's been uh just about three years since i got my last one and my last one was this that i got with my with my daughter okay so now what does that say that one says um it says so this one here it says Don't you ever tame your demons, but always keep them on a leash. Wow. So that's actually from a song from the artist Josie. Oh, okay. Okay. And the song is called Arsonist Lullaby. Oh, wow. And um, when I first heard this song and I heard that line for some reason, that line just reached out almost like grabbing me by the throat. It just had a hold of me and it, it really raised something emotional in me. And um, the, the demons to me wasn't anything, you know, horrible, but through, throughout my life dealing with depression. And even as a kid, I can remember being 10 years old or younger just feeling constantly sad and, and not knowing why, but just always feeling sad. Um, and so I always had this, this image in my head of a dragon, that there was this dragon that kept haunting over me. Oh. And, I, I, and, and, and it stuck with me for years and years and years. And I always thought of it as this dragon is, is my depression that's that's what it is is i have this dragon lurking over me and then just about uh two and a half years ago i had an absolute eureka moment mm. which was the dragon is not my depression the dragon is actually there to watch over me and protect me okay and it was, it was really strange how I came to that because the image that I had, I mean, it's a picture in my head from one that I was little and it's a dragon on a ledge and there's a dark cave behind him and he just stays on this ledge. And when he's quiet, he's just laying there, there's a little smoke coming out his nose and mm. you know, he's just, but when I'm feeling the deepest and darkest and just sad, he is up, his arms are going, there's fire. And I always thought he's just raging, you know, I'm just sad and he's raging, but I realized something because the, the cave behind him was always in my head. It was always dark and I couldn't see in it. So it was always scary of what's in there. Right. And it, it hit me that I realized that when I'm at my deepest and darkest and lowest feeling point, that's when he's out and it almost felt like, no, wait a minute. He's telling everybody to get back, stay away. Oh, it just hit me. And it, it was, so it what, was did me. it hit you in a, you know, in a meditation? Were you with a counselor? Did you have a dream? Just all of a sudden you had an aha moment driving down the street. Yes. Yes, I was, I was coming back from visit and I was talking with my best friend on the phone and we were talking about it and I was just sad and I was, and I told her, I said, God, my dragon is just raging right now. And then we just kind of started talking about it. And then I, and then I kind of just stopped and said, oh my God, wait, wait, no, I get it. I get it. And that's when it, it hit me and I realized it. And from that moment that was a huge lifting of that the heaviness that i always felt from that image that that dark it lifted like that wow. it was gone wow and 
then I thought, okay, now I know how to deal with this. I can deal with this. Okay. So, so yeah. that darkness and that depression, did that lead you to your first uh, unfortunate relationship? Tell us a little bit about that. So my, I got married at, I don't 25, something like that. My ex-husband, um, he was unfortunately a, a drug user. I didn't know that he was clean at the time. Okay, now, whoa, 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 because I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop you. Okay. Because people want to know. He was a drug user, so was he just like a pot smoker, or was he into more heavy drugs? I didn't know he was into anything. He was a surfer. He was just out doing his thing, and then all of a sudden, he changed and would disappear, and I realized he was actually into meth. Oh, yeah. Big goo. Yeah. Does he have any teeth left? <laughs> he he does. You know, he, uh, yeah, okay. he was real lucky so with that how, one. So how, how long did it go on? And, and and again, Stephanie, you look like you're pretty hip and slick. It don't like look like somebody can just pull the wool right over your eyes. How are you going to be with a surfer that disappears and, and be on drugs? The money's got to be funny. The, the attitude's got to change. The physical composure has got to change. Were these things that you just chose now on, in hindsight to ignore and look over and gloss over because you were in love or were these really things that you had no idea? I can't imagine you being that green. When he was clean, I knew he had a past but I didn't know anything about drug use. I didn't know anything about addiction. I've never done that kind of stuff. So I don't, I didn't know anything about it. Um, so are you, what's when, your nationality? You're, are you Caucasian? You white? Yeah. Okay. I mean, for the most yeah. part. Okay. okay. For the most part. Yeah. We got okay. the, we got the Irish side and, and yeah, yeah, the Spanish yeah. side. No, no. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying to lay the groundwork brains. I know y'all. Let me answer that phone. <laughs> I'm just trying to lay the groundwork, like a good prosecutor. <laughs> no, but okay. So, so you get into this this situation with this man, and then you you find out. How'd you find out that he was doing drugs? You know, he he was doing so good, and we had a really nice little life, and he was working, and things were great. And then something changed, and I didn't know what was happening. I couldn't figure out what the change. I never thought, oh, he's on drugs. And then it was, he was gone and his, his, his buddy actually called one day um, and asked if he was there so they could go surfing. And I said, he didn't come home last night. And his words were, oh, well, I hope he's not on that stuff. Mm. And I said, what, what stuff, what are you talking about? And then he told me and I was like, oh, come on, no, stop it. No. And sure enough, it was. And so at that point, as soon as I realized the depth of this and the danger involved, I, I said, I, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And I called my dad and I said, hey, I need some help. I need to get out. And because I had the, my two daughters and I said, I'm, I'm not going to have them around this. No way. Deal breaker. And uh, so... I took my two daughters and I moved. That was it. Okay, but you said that you had a violent relationship. You had you had someone that was abusive to you. Was that after this marriage? This was after. Okay, so let's let's fast forward to yeah. that relationship. Okay. That was that was definitely one that I knew I knew better. I saw the signs. And I truly ignored them. I opened them. up my eyes and saw signs. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yeah. And and it was, uh, I, I paid. I paid for that mistake. Okay. So, yeah. Now, again, going back to you suffered from depression. You were sad. You were lonely. There was something you were longing for, something that you couldn't identify with, something that life just couldn't fill that void for you. 
And so you go and get into a relationship with somebody. You have two beautiful daughters by this person and you find that they're living a double life. So now you see all the signs and you're still maybe feeling a little, you know, feeling in your feelings about yourself. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not worthy enough, but, you know, maybe I'm pretty enough to, you know, reel in a big fish. So you get with this player and he's talking quick and slick and put the little Spengali on you. And then all of a sudden he turns into the devil incarnated. What happened? He did. He did. And like I said, I, I saw the signs that were there. I, but I also completely fed into all of the garbage that he was telling me and I believed him. And so when we got into this relationship, I actually moved away from where I was living with my, uh, cause I had come back home. I was with my parents and I actually moved away to go be with him. And, um, I, I, when that, when I realized once I got there that I had just stepped into a fire, it was really humiliating. It was, uh, I never told my family, uh, because I fought for this and I said, you guys are wrong. This is going to work. Um, they didn't like him. I didn't listen. And, um, was there alcohol and drugs involved with him as well? Alcohol, yes. Drugs, no. No. Well, alcohol is... He was a... But, yeah. But, no, I get what you're saying. He didn't have any extra stentials. Uh, okay. So he put his hands on you, though, huh? He did. He did. And it was four years' worth. Wow. Yeah. And that's actually... Uh, how this side started because and I had a I had a business at that time and I had customers that would come in I had a kennel and um, so I had people coming in all the time bringing their dogs and I had set up this really wonderful business and my customers would see marks on me and I had girl I had every excuse in the book wow of where they came from and, and that's so, how I started doing this is to cover up bruises. Oh, cover up bruises. That's, that's awful. All right. So how did you break free? What was your aha moment then? The, it was, it was four years long. I knew I needed to get out. My daughter was in her senior year of high school. She said, mom, I want to move out there with you. I said, thank you, Jesus. This is, this is it. This is going to be what I need to get the heck out of here. And uh, she moved out to, you know, finish her senior year of high school uh, where I was. And he kind of cooled his jets. Um, she went back to Boston to go visit family. And it was one night that he was just being a real jerk and creating fights because that's what they do. Narcissists will create fights. Mm. And um, it actually resulted in SWAT being called oh. to my house. There was a damn near four hour uh, SWAT standoff. Um, it was just, it, it was a, a very, very... Oh, he, so uh, were you holding him hostage or did he hold you hostage? No, he was holding us. He was holding wow. us, he, my, myself and his his daughter, his so younger was, daughter. There was some mental illness. And then when he got that monkey oil in him, that just escalated it. It did. It did. Right. So did. So you broke away from that relationship. How did you, how did you break free? How did you set up a plan to get free? Because I want this to be heard by other women that are in similar situations. You don't have to be there. Now, again, don't do anything that's going to put you or the kids in harm's way, but you got to come up with a strategy. And this is for Absolutely. men. There's men that are abused as well. So you have to think of a plan. Three months, six month plan. You know, who do I trust? Who can I call? Who's not going to rat me out? You know, 100%. How am I going to keep my sanity? How am I going to keep my kids safe? 
you know, and, and when is the perfect time to do this? There are programs, and at the back of the interview, I'm going to put an 800 number for any woman that needs help. But what you have to do is you got to find an ally first. You can't do it alone, you know. If you can go to another state. Now, there's women that return because they don't have any money. They've been alienated from their families. Yeah. They have low self-esteem. They're depressed. Your abuser's already told you that you ain't nothing without him, you know, because he's he's everything. He's going to control everything. You know, he's going to control the food that you eat. And, you know, I control mm -hmm. your head. And, you know, this, that, and then sexually violate you. Because at that point, you don't want to have sex. At this point, it's rape. Okay? Correct. But I don't want to do it. And here you come, drunk, slobbering, bouncing up on top of me. And if I don't satisfy you, then you slap me or hit me. Then you wake up in the morning, I was drunk, I didn't realize it, I'm sorry. And then the cycle continues all over again. Brains, is that familiar to anybody? It's time to get out. And there are programs that can help you. All right, but this is the coup de gras. <laughs> you fall in love and marry a man that is incarcerated in prison. I'm not judging. I'm just, I'm just asking, inquiring minds want to know, because I'm looking at, in my opinion, maybe going from the pot to the frying pan. Okay? That's not to say there's a plenty of love behind bars, men and women. But out of all the people, out of all the places, out of all the things that you've been through, that just seems like a very interesting choice. How'd that happen? It was totally by accident as far as human-wise, but mm -hmm. because I, I absolutely 100% without a doubt believe that that was totally God intervening. Um, because I think for so long, I, I, I prayed and I prayed and I said, please just, just help me find a way to get out of this. I didn't know how to do it. I was still too embarrassed to tell my family. I was still going through stuff. And so I was actually on the phone with, uh, with my best friend one night. She knew kind of what was going on, but she did not know the extent of it. And she said to me, you need a, you need a friend. Is this the same best friend from the last situation you were in that you were talking to? Did you mentioned your best friend before when you were in the, the volatile situation? Oh, no. Okay. You got a new best friend since then? Well, so I, I've got my pack of girls. Okay. My, my All girls. right. All I right. Just got, got, got my little, just got my little girl posse. Yes. So, uh, so I was talking to, to my girlfriend and we, I mean, we would talk every single night. She didn't know the extent of things because again, I did not tell anybody what was happening. I had gotten to the point where I was self-harming. Um, I had come very, very close many, many times to just saying, that's it. I'm done. I'm checking out. And we were talking that night and she said to me, you need a, you need a, a protector. You need a, you need a good guy friend. I said, I don't need any guy for anything, for anyone. <laughs> I don't want to talk about men. And she said, no, 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 no. I'm just talking about just somebody like, don't you miss somebody being nice to you? Don't you miss hearing that you're amazing and that you're beautiful and that, you know, that someone loves you and, you know, you're worth something. Don't you miss that? And I said, well, I do, but that'll come. And she said, I have an idea and it kind of did this back and forth. Let me call you right back. Let me call. And it was her, her friend that she had known for many, many years that uh, was incarcerated. Okay. His Sally oh boy. was who they introduced me to. Oh boy. And it was just, I told her, I finally was like, fine, whatever, but I, I'm not looking for anybody. I'm already trying to get out of this situation. I, I don't need any more drama in my life. And I certainly don't need someone in prison. Okay. Well, he, he absolutely turned out to be a godsend and really helped lift me up during those, because she told him what was going on. I did not tell him. 
she told him what was happening and she basically ratted me out. And he kind of said, friends, I'm here if you need to talk, you know, as much as he can be. Um, and there were just those times where I was so low and just at the point where I just said, I, I can't, I can't go on anymore. I just, I can't do this anymore. And, but you know what, he, you know what somebody with some people would say that that's a part of the grooming. Okay. Uh -huh. Predators, predator, and I'm not calling a man a predator. So tell him don't be in his feelings. <laughs> I'm saying, it, you know, that's a part of the grooming. Okay, you are. You need some. You need some money on your books. You need your commissary. You need somebody that's gonna talk sweet to you, that you can write to, that's gonna write to you, that you can call, send you some tennis shoes. I got that. You know, I've, I've got family members that have been incarcerated, so I, I get all of that. And then you got this young, pretty white girl that is on the outside. She got a great job. She's vivacious. Her 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 girlfriend is co-signing on this. To me, I don't I don't know. I, risky. Like I said, I don't know. Risky. It's more than risky. risky it's, it's dangerous. Oh yeah. It's dangerous because I'm gonna tell you, they don't have nothing but time in in incarceration in jail, but to think, but to plot and to plan and to get smarter. Brains, the most brilliant people are behind bars. Absolutely, my, 100%. my nephew taught me how to make how they make coffee in their cell and how they make shakes and how they do this and how they do that. So they're very, very intuitive. But also, the mindset of a person that is encaged changes. It changes. So to have an outlet, like I said, a pretty young thing like you. Uh, can be very enticing and they put the Spengali on you. Now here you are, you have been victimized one, two, three times and you fall for this guy, okay? And I don't wanna to go too much into his business, but he, from what you've explained to me, uh, got put up on these charges because he caught his spouse in a indiscretion okay so it had to have been escalated to a certain point because you don't go to jail you know just for calling her a bitch you know it, it's it got escalated all right and i understand that did that have any bearing or did that raise any red flags with you any concern when you heard the story did you say you know maybe i'm headed down a slippery slope or were you just, you know, just in it all in? I'm just trying to get the mindset here. So in the beginning, I went into it with just, I'm not looking for a relationship. I'm not looking for a man, especially a man incarcerated. Um, he never asked me for money. He never asked me for anything. Never asked anything of me. But see, that's, um, the, he, that's, the, that's the quick and slick. They don't have to ask you. They get you all into that, you know, you know, that that, that you this and you pretty and you this, and it just makes you want to give. Well, you know, well, you didn't ask me. I know you didn't ask me, but here, let me go ahead and put this on your books. Let me do this because that's how we are. I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't even know that was a thing. But you learned. But you learned. Did you eventually did. You learn? Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I'm just saying how women get caught up. Now I'm gonna get off you. I'm gonna get off your case and let you sit on this. Let me tell you, I got caught up in a, a situation just randomly. So I'm working at this corporation, right? And um, I'm suited and booted. Every day I'm looking like brand new money. And the guys down in the warehouse were really super cool. They would get my packages out. They would give me my tracking numbers. They make sure that my, my customers was happy. They make me a priority. So one day I said, you know what? You guys are so sweet. Miss April's going to take you to lunch. They said, okay, we'll drive. So I go down. Girl, I had on my red bottom shoes that day. So where are we going? Woo! They said, we're going to go get some tacos. So I get in the car and I'm looking around in the car. Now, again, I'm from South Central LA. I know, okay? Mother has lived. I know a whole lot of stuff, seen a whole lot of stuff, good, bad, and indifferent. I'm seeing zigzags. 
I'm seeing Crown Royal bags. I'm seeing the seats all stained up. I look, there's a condom wrapper. And I'm like, I turned to the guy that's driving. I said, wow. I said, you're doing the most. And we're driving out the, the driveway. And he goes, yeah. He says, I am doing the most. He said, and I just to let you know, if the police pull us over, I'm going to let them know that the guns and the drugs in the trunk are yours. Said, I thought we was going to get tacos. <laughs> I didn't know I was with some bona fide criminals. Okay, the oh, wait, the oh. whole face composure changed. This was not the same little sweet guys that was down in the mailroom. These was hardcore gangsters at this point. I'm married to Mr. Magnificent. Number one, what am I doing in the car with these guys? How am I going to explain that, girl? I was a nervous wreck. My heart was beating yeah. fast. So we get to the taco shop. Needless to say, I told him I was walking back. I walk back. Two weeks later, the FBI comes in. They trafficking drugs and money out of the mailroom. Oh, my God. But see how easy you can get caught up? And you see how easy somebody can flip on you? That's not your situation. But again, it's the Spengali. You got to be absolutely real. your game. You got to be knowing. You got to be listening. If it doesn't feel right, smell right, taste right, it ain't right. Okay? 100%. It's, it's like a, a, a predator for a, um, a a sexual assault or, you know, date rape or a pedophile. They groom you. They don't just go in on the attack. Oh, this is what, I, this is what I'm about because you're going to resist. But let me warm up to you. Let me get you to like me. Let me get you to trust me. Then next, you're going to want to do things because you're liking what I'm saying. Okay, now back to you. So you get in a situation. <laughs> but you get in a situation, okay, and you went, you know, you with this guy, and then all of a sudden, you fall in love. How did you fall in love? I think it was, it was very, it was very quiet. It was very gradual. It was, it was very, um, I was very guarded, very reserved. Mm -hmm. I didn't want anything to do with love. And I think just being at the lowest that I was at, and even just one day having a really bad day and sharing with him that I just can't do this anymore. And he... I remember he said to me one day, uh, just in the midst of an absolute ultimate meltdown and um, just knowing the, the, the trail of wreckage that I had left behind in my uh, wake. And, you know, he said to me, I, I understand if you don't love yourself anymore, but he says, I've got enough love. To, to carry you through. And he says, if you're, if you can't get up, if you don't have the strength to go on, he says, my arms are big enough. My shoulders are wide enough. I can carry you until you can stand on your own. You know, he's talking emotionally and it, it just, it really just breathed life little by little, breathed life back into me. And to go from this scared of everybody now and letting people walk all over me, take advantage of me and just shying and turning the other cheek, he said to me that that practice is gonna end today. You are strong, you are and I had nothing. I had sold my businesses. I had nothing to my name. And he's, you know, he said, you're going to keep going. He says, you're strong. You're amazing. You're an amazing mother. You, you're going to do this. You are not going to give up. You're going to do this. And okay. if you need me, I'm here. And, and so, we just did. So he's a, he's your coach. He's your motivator. Okay. He absolutely was. Motivated. I get okay. I get that. But what I also see is merely an observation is that he's not there with you day to day. He's not right. there with you moment by moment. He's right. not there, you know, it's great for a phone call, you know, 
Well, it was hard. Call, well, you take this call from this, you know, individual, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and, and he's loving and he's wanting and he's needing, you know. Yeah, he's got tons of, of love for you. I don't deny any of that. But it's a different situation when you imano imano, you know, right there. So, True. So there's a little less liability. All right. So you go through True. this. Uh, he, you know, you fall in love with him. Uh, and this is what you feel that this mm -hmm. is what good love feels like to you. Everybody's feelings is different. This is what warms your heart. This is what excites you. This is what gives you wet dreams. I ain't mad at you. <laughs> you know? But that, that's it's okay. It's all right. Okay. Real but, talk. But but as we progress, okay, it's a long time in between time. Okay. And then all of a sudden he put the smack down there on you and he said, baby, will you be mine? Will you marry me? And you said, yes. I did. Why did you say yes? Now you're married now, right? We are married. We, we uh, have been married for seven and a half years. What? We've actually been together for this December will be 10 years. That's a long, that's, that's. That's, that's commitment. That's commitment. And a lot of women brains, you know, there's a lot of women that fall in love with inmates. A lot of them. Uh, me? Do they I, fall in love or are they lusting and they're looking at an image? Well, you know, they, they, do, they do all this other do, stuff. Yeah, well, they're doing a whole lot of stuff. Number one, they being tricked yeah. up. Number two, they trafficking drugs in and out to jail, sneaking cell phones. Uh, dealing with the baby's mama, uh, mm. doing doing whatever else they can, but they also, you know, can be cruelly treated and disrespected. But they caught up in the love, so it depends. Everybody's situation is different, but uh, all of them don't end up end up favorably. And women do flip, and right. they, you know, they they uh, they get flipped on. Should I say? You know, I've and, seen it. And this is uh, this. And again, Stephanie, I'm just saying this for the person that's sitting out there saying, girl, you know, I wouldn't do this and I wouldn't do that. You a lie. You done did some. You done been caught <laughs> up. You know, okay. <laughs> Somebody done tricked you up into something. You know, you, you was in the car like me going to get tacos and ended up with oh. some and shit. So it so things happen. I get you. But does your friend ever talk to you about being cautious? What do your daughters say? You know, you are, you are setting a pattern. You are setting a platform. You are setting a, a standard of excellence. A certain, you know, all mothers are not, all mothers are not going to go for that. You know, my, my daughter, this, or my daughter, that, or my mother, this, or my mother, that, or my stepfather, this, or my stepfather, that or my biological father. There's a lot of trauma, a lot of True. trauma that is generational, that's come because it went to you. And now your daughters are looking at this, well, you know, we done seen these three situations. How do we proceed? What did they say? And what are you saying to them? In the beginning, it was tough. Um, and again, when he and I first started talking, it was just strictly, this is just a friend. This is just, you know, a good, a good guy friend to just kind of be there and, you know, you know, do the, you got this girl kind of a thing. Right, 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 right. I told you he's the coach. You know, <laughs> and, uh, he's the coach. He, he did. He was, he was really amazing. And he's so very, very smart. He's extremely smart. He reads the, the most incredible books that I just look at and say, what the heck? Really? Because you know, time is their friend. Absolutely. Time is your friend. You know, it, yeah. it's like, a, it's like a, my husband's going to retire and he's ticking off days like they ticking off days of when they're going to be released. But there's a lot of trauma that he's experiencing as well that he doesn't share with you. Living in that cell, right. that confined area for all those many years. And we've talked about that. Okay. There's yeah, a psychological, there's a psychological uh, 
trigger. There's something that goes off. There's going to be PTSD because mm-hmm. the reacclimation into society within itself. He's going to come out with, am I good enough? Can I get that job? Am I going to be able to support her? I'm going to be with her 24 seven. Is she going to love me? You know, uh, the homeboys that you used to hang with, of course, you're going to go back to, you got to go back to your circle. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't want to. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Don't. All right. And I, and I get that probably won't, but mm-hmm. they'll reach out to him. Rather he reaches out to them. Oh, oh, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, he's out, man. Did you know? And you know, he ain't been out in 10 years. Let's go roll and see him and blah, 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 blah. They'll have the same conversation. Um, so it is a lot of adjustment. It's, I mean, and you talk about, you said you've been together 10 years and seven years married. There's going to be a lot of, you know, things. There might be counseling that you can go through while you're in the program. Might be counseling sure. that you can go through outside of the program. But it's a whole different thing when you don't have the counselor and you just got that person that is depending on you. And an uh, air of uh, skepticism and an air of, you know, fear. Did I did I make the right choice? Did he make the right choice in choosing you? Is this going to work? There's a whole lot. And, you know, again, I my hat's off to you, sister, because you got courage. You got courage. See, I don't have courage. I'm out. No, I, I, I'm I, out. And, I, and that's just that's just something that I, I never, never had been told before is that I have courage because I never thought that I had courage. Yeah, you do. And then actually getting into this type of a dynamic with somebody that's incarcerated. I did not have the support of my family in the beginning when I said, we're now actually talking. We are seeing each other. Um, and this is something, someone I want to pursue. I did not have the support in the beginning. Now with that, I said, I totally, completely understand. I get it. I was just in a horrible, horrible situation. And now I'm in this, I get it. No, but no, over no, the no, no. Course... Did you really, did, no, no, no. Let me ask you a question. Did you get it or did you want it? Two totally different things. You know, what, what do you, you, you say, I get it. I, you know, I get it. I know I was in this bad situation. Oh yeah. I was traumatized. And now I'm, 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 you know, in love and going to marry someone that's incarcerated. Did you get it? Or did you want it? They, I did get it. It, And, and again, there was, there was a lot of still just very low self-esteem. There was still a lot of trauma response in, in engaging with him in certain conversation. And he, he was able to completely change my mindset from this timid little get taken advantage of um just all this stuff to someone who absolutely a hundred percent today can stand on her own two feet without anybody period but that but let's stop right there because he didn't do that you did that let's be real clear here okay he might have you know took you from a flicker but you're the one that raised the flame you have overcome, you have adapted, you've got a great job, you got a great career, you're looking like brand new money, okay? And now you are in the situation. So uh, I don't give him credit for that. I give you credit for that. Like I said, there's always a coach, but you gotta, mm-hmm. have, somebody, you gotta have somebody on the team. You gotta have a True. I'm in- Hey, that's all right. So I'm into this football analogy. I'm looking at, you know, Colorado State and that fine-ass Deion Sanders girl. He got the Spengali on me through the TV. <laughs> but he's fine. He's handsome. He's arrogant. But he's a motivator. He's a shit talker. He's a macker. You know, that's what we used to call back in South Central LA. If somebody put the Mac on you, conversation. Because conversation is key. That's what gets in your mind. That's why people like to write letters because you have uh, or or do they text you because you have their undivided attention. They go into where you're going into. 
But again, he's a coach, but he can't coach unless there's a team. Now you're in this love relationship. We want to know, girl, what goes on in a conjugal visit? What does that mean? <laughs> Well, you know, you see it on TV and you see and people say, you're not supposed to touch and you don't do this. You know, when you're married, how are you, you know, how do you consummate your relationship? We have not had a family visit. Shut the front door. <laughs> we have not had a family visit. So <laughs> I know. He must have one hell of a conversation on the phone because it's seven years. Oh, wait. How you even know you're going to like it? I'm just saying. And, and you know, we we talk about those things. And um, I, that's just one of those things I just leave in God's hands. And I say, hey, look, Girl, this, is, wow. this is something I just that's have big, to That's big on you. That's big on him. Uh yeah that's that's a lot and all this yeah. time you have not had one intimate thing how did no. you did, how did you get married you went there and got married to the to the institution it was it was yeah it was in the visiting room and all everybody all the families and everybody that was in visiting everybody you know was there and we just go up to the front where we would go take our picture and our um uh we had somebody who and he's in his, 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 they let him put on a suit or did he have to wear his? No, he's in his, his scrub top and his, uh, his, uh, chambray pants. He's CDCR. So they wear the chambray pants and then the, the blue scrub top. Okay. And so now he's in there, you know, this is another thing that concerns me is this supposed rehabilitation, you know? You have to, I, the, the women here, uh, I sent some sanitation to, because I didn't know in the women's prison that they couldn't have tampons and sanitary napkins. They have to pay for those out of their commissary. They don't give them that. Oh, really? Oh, wait, there's a privatized jail, right? So I go to my friends at Procter & Gamble. I get all this stuff. I send it to them. Them frogs sent it back to me. <gasps> they wouldn't allow them to have it. No kidding. No, just basic human dignity. My nephew has been incarcerated on and off since he was eight years old. Aww. Did not know how to use a washing machine. I sent him to the laundromat. He didn't know how to use it. He didn't know how to open a mailbox. He's been in and out of incarceration because he does not know how to survive. Okay, it's tough out here, $1,700 in California for a one bedroom. Mm. And you have been absent from society for 10 years. You got a felony. How do you talk through that to get someone to trust you, to give you a job? And then, you know, you're going to work extra hard, but you still got that fight or flight mentality because prison is not for punks. Nope. Okay. Every day somebody gonna try to shank you, steal you, lie from you. Something. The only thing they can't take is your, you know, your your wife. But then there's other situations there where there's people that that rape you, or you're a rapist. You always got to be on guard. The the the, the, the prisoners always got to be on guard. So there's a lot to overcome, and just say, oh, okay, you know. And then I gotta get to know this woman. You know, I gotta feel her skin. I gotta know she can cook. <laughs> I gotta know I gotta know how she feels when she really gets angry because there's only so angry that you're gonna get because you don't really want to escalate to that point because he's there and you know you and your feelings and you feel in a certain kind of way but when he gets out and you face to face and he do something that you don't like and you go all ham he's not gonna recognize this person it's a lot to consider ladies all ladies <laughs> not just Stephanie like I said, Stephanie just has the courage to, you know, come forth and, and kind of open our eyes to this. You know, like I said, if you like it, I love it, baby. I ain't got no problem with it. But there would be certain things that I would consider um, and that he needs to consider when you come back and when you come together, because it's a long time.
So let's ask you some fun things about you. If you were an appliance in the kitchen, Stephanie, what appliance would you be and why? What appliance would I be? I would be a blender. Everybody wants to be a doggone blender. You know why? I want to be a blender. I, yeah, why? Because I can make a hell of a good margarita, girl. Oh, so. shoot. I just had one. Maybe that's why I'm on one. <laughs> I want to be the, a refrigerator because I okay. just want to chill. I just want to chill. Nice. Nice and easy. Keep it cool. You know, no pressure. I can put the freeze to you if I need to, or I can thaw you out. <laughs> Either one. Yep. If uh, you have three magical wishes, anything. What would they be? My three magical wishes would be that my daughters stay happy. They're in, all three of them are married. They have absolutely fabulous husbands. I, I have gained three amazing sons and I feel so blessed and happy for them. I would wish the absolute world to my grandbabies because they are just, oh, don't anybody mess with my grandbabies because nobody's ever seen anybody angry like an angry May May. Okay, well, let's let I know. <laughs> honey, honey, daddy ain't seen an angry May May. <laughs> mm, yeah. And, and what's then, your third one? My third one would definitely be, I guess it's more of a prayer than it is just a wish, but just to continue to have the relationship that I have that is where if we have something we have to talk about, we talk about it. Um, we both are very respectful when we talk to each other. We, before we got married, we talked about what his expectations of me were. Uh, we talked about what my expectations of him are and will be. Um, we talk about how we're gonna handle certain situations if one or the other gets angry. Um, and we no, really- and, Well, until, until it happens. Okay, because, uh -huh. it, it, you know, it depends on what it is. You know, you, it depends on what it is. If you mm -hmm. come home, I'm not going to put it on here. If you come home on meth, drunk, hitting him, it ain't going to be like you think it's going to be because <laughs> folks get ugly. But what I didn't hear you say is one of my wishes would have him here with me. Now, I know that that is it. Don't Don't get me wrong. But I heard other people's happiness, again, came before your own. Just an observation here. Yeah. You know, so putting yourself first sometime is okay. It's all right for you to drive the car. Speaking of cars, if you were a car, what kind of car would you be? <gasps> I would be the two-seater Jaguar. Dude. quick and slick little petite that's that's what i'm getting mm -mm. that's the that's the one that i've been looking at and i'm just like okay is it is it hybrid or is it gas no it's gas it's gas yeah look at you yeah so uh you're gonna be you're gonna be a woman driving a jaguar you know mm -hmm. that's going to be a big expectation that's going to be a lot for him to come back and not compete with but share with because you want somebody that's evenly yoked and you don't want someone saying oh okay well you know now i'm the self-made woman and dot 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 so you're gonna have to change your vernacular you're gonna have to tone it down you're gonna have to be you know equal or at least i would think that but then maybe not i don't know things are different if um, you were a flower in the garden, Stephanie, what flower would you be? A gardenia. Hmm, they smell very pretty. They're just that, that, that smell of, of gardenias is, it's just, 
it it just makes me happy. I know. I planted some in my garden. And when that breeze blows. And you get that. Oh, it, it's, it's a beautiful. beautiful effort. I love gardenias. Okay. So uh, you're going to go into the tattoo shop next week and get a new tattoo. What would it be? <laughs> what would it be? Well, the one that he has actually been working on. Uh, and we've discussed it quite a bit is when I had this, this massive revelation of my dragon, I told him, I want a dragon. I want a dragon tattoo. You know, I don't want no crazy, you know, crazy looking one, but I, I want <laughs> a dragon tattoo and I have the image in my head of what I want. And it's the, it, it's the dragon with its, its wing around me. Oh, so you're gonna gonna swing it's, gonna, it's gonna come all the way down the side and around. It's gonna, yeah, it's gonna maybe be on my thigh or uh, maybe I'll put it on my side. Maybe I'll put it on my back. I'm, you know, not sure yet. Not sure yet, but that's, that's what I want. That's, that is definitely the next one I want, but I asked him to, to draw it for me. Okay. When you say him, are you talking about your husband? Yes. He's an artist? Yes. Yeah. Does he have tattoos? He does. Okay. Because again, like I said, tattoos tell a story. He's got a lot of them. In fact, he, he has my name here. He's got my portrait on his arm. And that was all done after we got married. You know, <laughs> I said, don't do anything before we get married. <laughs> and you know, and, and my and my nephew has a teardrop from where he's hurt someone. And his gang affiliation tattooed on his neck like a dog collar. Oh, I tell you, he can't roll with me because that's a target on your back. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't need you to have your set, you know, on that. But yeah. these are markings of your life that people judge people by. Mm -hmm. They, you know, they, t they, again, they tell your story. People are afraid of that. They don't know that's a way of self-expression. They look at it as a way of self-mutilation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they don't look as beautiful. I mean, you're, you know, you're a fair-skinned Caucasian woman. You can see the colors. Sometimes you can't see the colors. Sometimes mm -hmm. you can actually see the pain. Um, yeah. I thank you yeah. um, and your husband for being here uh, virtually. Uh, and really your honesty and your integrity, your courage. I pray a blessing of abundance upon you and him you. that you are there, that when you do do it, that he, you know, break your back. <laughs> 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 that, uh, that you bring smiles to each other's face and that, you know, that the universe and society allows him to re-enter, make the acclamations, make the adjustments, but also for a heightened sense of awareness for you that you're tuned in, that it's not just a, a, a need, but it's an actual want, it's a desire. And something mm -hmm. that's going to make you Very. feel good because you deserve that. You've been through a lot already. And so you deserve happiness and a Jaguar. Tell my brains how to get in contact with you if they want to have a conversation with you. I don't know if you're open to that. Do you have a program? Absolutely. story? you know, an email address? They can either um, contact me by email or on my Instagram. My Instagram is at success with Steph C. Success. Um, so they can reach out to me there as well. Okay. All right. Close it up right now. So brains, thank you. Thank you again, Stephanie. Uh, for being here with me and my brains on the edge. Brains, I need you to go in and love, like, share, and subscribe. Again, love, like, share, and subscribe. You got questions, you know, uh, as long as they're respectful, you're trying to get some information, you're trying to raise your game, elevate your game, get clarity, you know, meet you an inmate. <laughs> yeah. I don't recommend it. <laughs> uh, give Stephanie a call thank you so much precious again like I said I wish abundance of blessing with you your man and your life all right thank you so much I really appreciate it and if anybody needs to reach out to me they absolutely can 
they can either uh, reach me through email or they can go on to my uh, Instagram account at success with Steph C. Um, and I'd be absolutely more than happy to, to, uh, you know, speak with, speak with anybody who needs to. Well, thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for that. Check it out, Brains. You know, like I said, if you just need an equalizer, you just need somebody to bounce something off of, that'd be great. Uh, thank you again, Stephanie. Talk to you soon, baby. Bye, Brains. Sounds good. Thank you, April.